Sub-Saharan Africa suffers from a critical shortage of skilled health workers. Increasingly, medical specialists believe that training more community health workers could improve health access on the continent. But many governments have not yet formally recognized community health workers, and they have been left out of most health systems. Welcome back to Africa Science Focus. I'm your host, Michael Kaloki. Community health workers are the first contact between communities and health systems. The vast majority of these local heroes are women, and most are unpaid. But their work is invaluable. Every day, they save lives by recognizing illnesses and arranging care for pregnant women. Community health workers live in the villages and towns that they support. They have basic medical training, and by sharing their knowledge, they can empower their communities to take control of their own health and well-being. Dr. Diana Nambatianzubra is playing a leading role in strengthening Uganda's health system. Her organization, the non-profit Living Goods, trains and supports community health workers, while Dr. Nsubuga works with governments to ensure that these vital health workers are recognized. Our reporter, Halima Atumani, finds out more. I advise governments on how they can continue not only investing, but how can they how they can roll out community health worker programs. 80% of community health workers on the continent are women. And so my role involves really engaging the government in making sure that the community health worker programs are done in such a way that community health workers are digitally empowered. Uh, to do their work, they are equipped, they are supervised, and they are compensated for the work that they do. With all of your engagement with these governments, are they, are they doing what you are advising them to do? Are they supporting the communities? Great question. Community health worker programs have been in existence for a very long time. But one thing we've seen is that different countries are mobilizing communities in very many different ways. For many countries, community health workers are not integrated into the health workforce. And so what that means is that some countries on the continent are not treated as part of the health workforce. Whereas in other countries, community health workers are seen as part of the healthcare team. And so it depends on what phase the countries are in terms of uh, the involvement of their community health worker program that they're doing. Maybe for someone who does not understand how important a community health worker is in an African setting, how would you describe a village or an African village without community health workers? How would that look like? Paint us a picture. Let me say, when you look at a village, the nearest health post is on a minimum of about five kilometers. Within a village, someone is to leave a village to go to a health center, it will be on a radius of about five to seven kilometers. 
Imagine a mother. Either the child has malaria or has diarrhea or has pneumonia. Or imagine a pregnant mother and imagine them having to access healthcare over a five to seven kilometer radius. And that brings in the role of community health workers who have the trust of the community that they've come from and who in many African countries bridge the gap between healthcare system and their community. You also know that these community health workers are closest to the community members. And so these community health workers are such levers of change in terms of providing information, education, communication on health, what you'd call primary health care, to their communities. They play a critical role in dealing with malaria, diarrhea, pneumonia, and for us at Living Goods, with a smartphone. And with this smartphone, the community health worker is able to register their households on the phone. In other words, they don't need to deal with the paper best that would take them a lot of time. The second thing, the phone has in prompts or questions which they can use to be able to diagnose the mother or the child. After that, using prompts in the smartphone, they can be able to treat. And after treating, if the sickness is above what they can manage, using the phone, direct them to the nearest health post where they can refer the mother. And once that is done, if they've referred the mother or the child, that phone after a day or two will prompt the health worker and remind them, you referred this mother. Can you just close the feedback loop that she arrived to the facility? Did she get the necessary treatment? And you need to do any other follow-up with this mother. 76% of Uganda's population lives in rural areas without immediate access to healthcare. But according to Hasifa Naluyiga, who is the Deputy Director for Community Health Partnerships at Living Goods in Uganda, community health workers are starting to get the recognition they deserve. I think the role of community health workers is as important. Yes, I know community health workers are game changers because I know during the COVID-19 when uh, people could not access services from the health facilities, community health workers could go door to door to provide services to the people who need them most. So to me, I think community health workers are very important. And I know in the systems where doctors are few, where health workers in the facilities are few, uh, community health workers play a very important role. Uh, actually, even the government has realized that, the government of Uganda has realized that, and that's why they have allowed to allocate a budget for community health workers to be paid a monthly stipend. So I think uh, they have realized that they can do a lot. They have provided services to the people during the COVID-19 when people could not move and their role could not go uh, unrecognized. Back to Halima and Dr. Nsubuga. 15 years you've been working as a public health specialist. How do you think Uganda and Africa in particular are faring on 
I mean, because our women are still having unplanned births. Women are still dying in hospitals while giving birth. The number of teenage pregnancies, 40% of that contributes to the maternal mortalities in this country. It is therefore critical that we think about how do we empower the girl child to make the right decisions around when to, get, when to give birth or when to get pregnant. When I look at the maternal mortality, especially for older women uh, within the childbearing age group, I still want to say that family planning has been proven as a low-cost yet effective um, way to make sure that mothers can plan when to have their children, how often, how many, and how frequent. That way, they have ample time to not only recover, but also to look after the children that they will have given back to. Dr. Nsovoga says that sub-Saharan Africa's more than 200,000 yearly maternal deaths could be avoided by providing health workers with family planning and reproductive health training. She spoke more about this when she was recognized as an outstanding charitable community leader under 40 and awarded the American Express Engine Leadership Award in 2016. Over the past 20 years, we have seen investments in health and education for women and girls lead to increases in productivity, agricultural yields, and national incomes in developing countries. In Uganda alone, approximately 6,000 women die every year due to pregnancy-related complications. Women in my country bleed to death. They do not have access to antibiotics to prevent simple infections. They often do not have the option of a caesarean section when it is necessary. Ladies and gentlemen, we can prevent these tragedies by providing women with prenatal care, skilled attendance at birth, and emergency obstetric care. Investing in family planning and reproductive health services not only is good for women's health and rights, but it makes economic sense. Because for each dollar invested in contraceptive services, you will avoid $1.7 to $4 in expenditures on maternal and newborn health. In my country, maternal mortality is 438 per 100,000 women. That means from morning until now, about four taxis of women have already died when giving birth or during pregnancy. I have held lobby meetings with our council leaders to pass a bylaw that calls on all women to have skilled attendance at birth. One of the reasons that women give for not going for skilled attendance at birth is poverty. In the trainings for women, we ensure that we add a session on birth preparedness, which includes benefits of having skilled attendance at birth. Growing up in a farming family, Dr. Nsovoga says, she saw that nutrition is as important to good health as access to doctors and nurses. It was, it was through farming that my parents were able to take me to school. But beyond that, it was through farming that we were able to afford a decent, well-balanced meal. 
and therefore were able to go through infancy, childhood, with I would say minimum diseases because our parents fairly knew what foods were nutritious for a young child. I've learned in my life that we can't close this conversation of health when we're not looking at the multisexuality. And as a public health specialist and a professor of public health, I have learned that there are key levers of change that are just a magic bullet. Number one is nutrition. The second one is in immunization. With immunization, you can prevent so many morbidities and mortalities. The third magic bullet is in family planning. And overarching of all these is community health and community engagement and community ownership. And this is so overarching across all these three magic bullets that I've talked about. I hold farming so close to my heart. And so I'm proud to say that through the work at Kwagala Farm, at Kwagala Farm I'm a co-founder, and in that work we've been to we've been able to empower over two thousand women with urban farming skills with an agribusiness focus. But we've seen that impact on the nutrition indicators for these families. And so farming integrated with health is not only the best thing to do, but it is the right thing to do because multi-sectoral collaboration will, will take us farthest and will bring sustainability of the work that we continue to do. You can find out more about Dr. Nsoboga's career and her urban farming project by visiting www.sidev.net That's www.sidev.net You can catch up on all Africa Science Focus episodes on your favorite podcast app and don't forget to leave a review. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis and edited by Fiona Broom with reporting from Halima Athumani. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. I'm Michael Kaloki. See you again next week. This program was funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York.